0: Hi, my name is Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. I'm the author of ETFs for the Long Run, Dividend Stocks for Dummies, and a contributor to Forbes.com and Barron's. Each week on Two Question Tuesday, we randomly pick and answer two questions from clients of Focused Wealth Management. This week's questions will be answered by Phil D'Angelo, the Managing Director of Focused Wealth, and Michael Basante, the firm's Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Good morning, guys. Um, Okay, bonds are selling off again, and the 10-year U.S. Treasury bonds yield is back up to 4%. Why has it gone back up, and what areas of the bond market do you find interesting? Well, look, you know, when you look at
1: rates, right, um, it looks like the Fed's not going to stop. They came out, uh, Neil Kashkari, who sits on the Federal Reserve Board, came out uh, last week and basically said that he's for 50 basis points of 25, won't do it. So the, they are going to keep tightening. Maybe the short end now looks like it will get to the high mark of about six percent, uh, which really seemed unfathomable, uh, you know, just six months ago. So I think when you look at the short end of the curve, uh, you're getting some amazing yields, right? As as the Fed really raises and the curve is very inverted at the moment for quite some time now, uh, pushing you know the the short end up around five, past five. And the long end, even now, uh, getting close to 4% is, is pretty robust. So what do we think? Look, the, that 10-year Treasury went to 4.5% two other times. Uh, as they get to the top of the range here, does it go that high again? Probably for a third time, uh, which would be a good buy. So although the sweet spot is on the short end of the curve, meaning locking in you know, short-term CDs, short-term Treasuries, uh, it seems like the one and two year are the sweet spot right? You're getting north of 5% on those. But don't be neglectful of a longer-term strategy. And that longer-term strategy is, hey, if rates go up to 4.5% on that 10-year, you know, lock in on that latter part of the curve, too, because rates are going to stay higher for a while. And until they back off, but they will back off. And when they do back off, you're going to want to have some of these great treasuries that are out there uh, yielding, you know, four and a half percent type of number, even some CDs that are out there in the fives, very attractive right now. So, you know, if you predicated your retirement planning, uh, spending on four and a half percent, if you predicate your endowment and foundation drawdowns or cash needs at four uh, percent, this is a great time to rebalance the portfolio and really take uh, advantage of this bull market in fixed income yields. Uh, piece. um in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend talking about the Tina trade. There is no alternative, T-I-N-A being over, uh, given birth to a couple couple of these new monikers, uh, but that there are alternatives now. I saw T-I-A-R-A, there is alternatives avail- readily available uh, and a few other new monikers, and that's the truth. So again, you, you wanna take advantage of this bull market in bond yields. Uh, and while short-term does pay, Think about the long term. And as rates rise again, uh, don't be afraid to lock into that latter part of the curve here.
0: Okay. And here's the second question. Comes from Mike in New Paltz, New York. He asks, what do you think about the saber rattling in China and how will it affect the equity and fixed income markets?
2: Well, i think the saber rattling in china uh, there's obviously a great deal of focus that's incrementally being paid on that specifically because china has been a segment of growth uh for the markets throughout the beginning of this year as we mentioned really back in january um we've seen a very significant shift beneath the surface of how the market has been performing in which a lot of the companies and entities that have more exposure to china are actually performing better and basically, stuff that's really just isolated to the US, like healthcare, hasn't been performing as much. That's largely due to the reopening trade that's actually taking place in China. Again, China's economy was shut down for about three years. So as you begin to reopen, it looks like the reacceleration that's taking place in terms of the economic data over there is pretty significant. Now, I mean, I think I I don't think this has a major market moving event as of right now based off of the happenings that are out there, specifically because, you know, we we, you just discussed in the previous question about how interest rates were moving higher and interest rates are moving higher largely due to a function of inflation and a lot of the jawboning by the Federal Reserve. If the market was really significantly concerned about the saber-rattling that was taking place over in China, you would see more of a risk-off type of environment in which interest rates were moving down. There was a lot more money flowing into more conservative, fixed-income, treasury-based type of investments, um, especially with yields this high. So I don't necessarily think that the saber-rattling in China, the market has that directly in its focus right now. I really do think it's more along the lines of what's happening in the Federal Reserve, the jawboning about the inflation trends that are actually taking place over there. And I, I do think that there are a lot of companies that have some incremental upside due to the China reopening. So I think that this saber rattling is a dynamic that is more of a long term thing that you have to consider and think about, especially as it pertains to Taiwan and simultaneously you know, what China is going to do with its Ukraine Russia policy. But at the same time, there doesn't really seem to be a lot of indication to me that the market is greatly concerned about this particular element. As of right now, that can change at a moment's notice. But it doesn't appear that China really wants to jeopardize a lot of the growth metrics that are out there, or at least what they're reporting, due to the reopening with a lot of this saber rattling stuff as of this very moment.
0: What do you think about the whole thing with russia ukraine and europe is that affecting the markets at all
2: yeah it does seem i i I do think that that's going to reemerge a little bit because uh, again we've said this a lot in the past it russia can't really decelerate this because they can't look like they're losing a war to ukraine simultaneously china has to have some level of alignment because Russia is really one of their key strategic partners throughout the world and I mean Russia does you know supply China with cheap oil as of right now um, because of the dynamics in the marketplace so it does look like some of the European data could get a little bit iffy again here but you know a lot of areas have lucked out to some degree because winter has been way more mild than you know feared. Um, natural gas, as we mentioned last week, is down like 75% from its all time highs. So that does help incrementally with a lot of things. I know, Phil, what did you want to say about that? You looked like you wanted to chug. Yeah, to- I,
1: I just think that, you know, this thing's going to drag on a lot longer than people have originally forecasted. And uh, unfortunately, it's just going to be a long term event, you know, kind of like you think about how Russia really went into Crimea in 14, and that was kind of just pushed aside by the markets after that originally happened for quite some time. Uh, And that was, what, seven years ago now? So I think you're looking at the same type of time period where you know, maybe after these these spring offensives happen, uh, they're going to be landlocked through the summer. And I think this is just going to be out there. So while the markets did absorb it, energy prices did go high on it, right? Commodity prices did go high on it. I think all parties are going to have to just you know, unfortunately get along with this situation and it will persist uh, for quite some time unless something dramatically changes. And, uh, you know, I, it's going to be a stalemate, right? It's it's just going to be out there and it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be an Eastern front that just, you know, is there.
2: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see as the weather shifts, if there are any new offensives, because it was really a little over a year ago, we just lapped the one year anniversary of Russia invading Ukraine so if the weather changes are there going to be any different you know strategy efforts that are undertaken by both russia and ukraine it's it, it, it's hard to tell it doesn't seem like russia is on the back of making any major offensive changes but you never really know obviously we wouldn't know about that until it was taking place and after the fact but this is going to be a long drawn out thing as you just and, said. and
1: i think the markets have have adapted to that so you know while there could be larry you know uh, God forbid, if there were any you know, uh, new phases of this war opening up, uh, i.e. nuclear, et cetera, that would definitely royal the markets. I think the ground battle um, and the uh, armaments uh, that are known going into that area uh, have all been uh, forecasted out into these markets right now.
0: Thanks, guys. That was great. And if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at qquestiontuesday.com. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.